My name is Sarah. I am Leon's mum. I gave birth 34 days ago. Um, and unfortunately, he was a stillborn. Yep. So we have an angel baby. And we want to talk about our story and how to help other people go through what we're going through and build a community of unspoken parenthood. Um, Have those taboo conversations. Yeah. So do we start from the start? Yeah. Cover off pregnancy? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Um, we got really fortunate. I fell pregnant really quick. Um, an Egypt baby. We were in Egypt. Um, and I think, no, the first one was when we first tried. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're really going all the way back. Yeah. yeah. What really cemented the fact that we wanted to be parents. Yeah. When we first tried mm -hmm. and you thought it was going to be one and done. <laughs> I was so convinced that the first time we tried without protection, I was going to get pregnant. That was it. And we tried in Melbourne and we were flying out to Dubai and we were in Dubai and I remember saying, no, nope, I'm pregnant. I'm not going to ride the camel. I'm not going to go on the ATVs. I'm not going to, I'm going to avoid all of this. Just sat there, watched us all ride around these. Yeah, I took good photos of you guys riding ATVs. Dubai, June. <laughs> That was an epic sunset. And then you got your period the next day. And then, yeah, um, in Egypt, on the plane from Dubai to Egypt, um, I started getting cramping and then we got to our hotel in Cairo and I got my period and I just remember being so heartbroken because I wasn't really sure, like we spoken about we wanted to start trying for kids, mm. but I wasn't super sure that I was ready. I was really doubting myself as a mum. Yeah. And... Yeah, and then when I got my period, I was so upset and I kept saying sorry to Ange. And he's like, what are you sorry about? Um, and then we went on like a really, like a spiritual trip in Egypt. We were with our church. And this bishop prayed on us to fall pregnant, Bishop Raphael. Um and apparently he's done miracles. Like he's preyed on people that have tried for many years and they've fallen pregnant. And then we fell pregnant um, right after that blessing. But you getting your period, I think, solidified the fact of how bad we wanted it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So then when we came back home from that trip, I started feeling a bit sick. Do you remember? No. We were going to Lucas's birthday, which is our nephew. We're going to his first birthday and... Oh, you were grumpy that day. I was so grumpy yeah. and the smells were really intense. Um, and I was like, Andrew, I'm pregnant. And he's like, no, you're not. Just relax. Mm. And then we did a test and they were coming back negative. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. I did five pregnancy tests and they all came back negative. And then I did my own... Like a pr every time we were together doing the pregnancy test. But the day that I did it by myself... Was the day it came back positive. Yep. When I was in outside working on the car. Yeah. Doing something to my car. I ran downstairs mm. 
and said, you need to come inside. Mm. And then I showed you the test. Yeah. Do you remember lying on the floor the with Vero? Yeah. So Vero's our dog. Um, and we were just lying on the floor and we were so happy when we saw those lines. Mm. It was so faint, but it was there. Yeah. And I was like this, I was like, I think I'm pregnant with a boy. Mm. I was so convinced it was a boy. No, you were convinced it was a girl. No, I wasn't. I hate saying, when you do you that. You kept saying it was a girl at the start. You kept saying it was a girl. No, I didn't. You oh. did. No, I didn't. Uh-huh. I knew it was a boy. Um, and then, you know, that whole wait 13 weeks before you tell anyone. That was, or 12 weeks, whatever mm. it is. First trimester. That was really hard. Yeah. I told my mum and my sister. Um, she was going away to Japan and I was like, I need to tell you before you leave, but also like try for a baby as well. I want to be pregnant at the same time. Um, and then we told our families. On Easter. On Easter, on Orthodox Easter. That was a real big celebration. Yeah, that was fun. Um, the way we did our gender reveal was pretty cool as well. Mm. We knew from the start, like I feel like with the, the pregnancy, we knew what we wanted and what we didn't want. Like we did an intimate gender reveal. Mm. We just went to a lake um, to watch the sunrise. Mind you, it was like the worst sunrise ever. Grace guys. <laughs> Grace guys. And then we bit into a cupcake. Um, that was really sweet. And then we had leftover cupcakes. So my best friend made the cupcakes. We had leftover cupcakes and then we went to um, our family houses. Yeah. And then they just bit into the cupcake and they found out Mm. that we were having a boy. Yep. Our baby boy. That's right. Um, How did you feel finding out we're having a son? (laughs) You're excited. Yeah. Um, And then I had the best pregnancy ever, like... I didn't get sick from anything. My first craving was mangoes. I cried when I didn't get one because they weren't in season. But then Ange actually found one for me. That was incredible. Love eating red meat. Um, And before I was pregnant, I was gluten-free. And our angel baby healed me and I can eat gluten now. So crazy. Crazy. Um, But then I started getting itchy. Week 13. Yeah, just general body itchiness. Yeah, I was just generally itchy all over. And I went into emergency just to check because I'm that type of person. Mm. Um, and they did the they did all these tests on me and they were like, no, it's just normal pregnancy itching. You're fine. If you ever get itching on the palms of your hands or the bottom of your feet, that's when to be scared um, because it could be a condition called cholestasis. So that was always in the back of my mind. Yeah, because um, yeah, t- when they told you what cholestasis was and it was an effect like from your liver, yes. that's what uh, triggered you to be worried about it. Yeah, because I had previously um, high liver count mm. and we never really got to the bottom of why my liver was high, like pre-pregnancy. Um, And then when I heard that I could potentially get this liver condition in my pregnancy, I was really scared because when you read about cholestasis and it's not spoken about like 
no one really talks about what cholestasis is in pregnancy. Everyone knows preeclampsia. No one really talks about cholestasis. But it's a liver condition that can cause stillborns. It increases the odds. Yeah, increases the chances. So, so anyways, at this point, I was fine. I'd been cleared of cholestasis. They just said, come back if you get worried. Um, and I went on having the best pregnancy. I love being I love being pregnant. Um, I weight trained all the way up until, I think, 30 weeks, 29 weeks. Um, and I was also doing clinical Pilates with my osteo and swimming. And then... Around the 30-week mark, do you reckon? Or later? Possibly. Around 30. No, I reckon it's probably around 32. 32 weeks? 32, 30. Yeah. Okay. Around that, I started getting really itchy. Um, And then we went back into emergency department and got the test done. Because it had moved to your hands, your palms and your feet. Yeah, moved to my hands. Um, Went to emergency and... They did the test, which is, it's just a blood test of your bile acids to know your score. Um, and it was borderline cholestasis. So my score came back 13 um, and safe zone is 10 and under. So they were like, look, you're borderline. Um, we're not worried. You've got a low risk pregnancy. You're really healthy. Um, mm. That was essentially what they said, right? Yeah. They said, we're just going to keep monitoring you. Keep monitoring me, keep, keep monitoring the baby. Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, I was getting monitored every three, four days. Um, started mat leave. And then as soon as I started mat leave, I felt like I started feeling not well. Mm. So I started maternity leave around 33 and a bit. Maybe it was 33 and five days. Um, and then it started getting scary when I s- couldn't sleep. Yeah, just sleepless nights, waking, just itching throughout the night. Yeah, I'd have to have hi- ice packs uh, like in my hands and the bottom of my feet. And I was up, like it's literally torture, feeling your body completely itchy and the constant itch. And people that have had cholestasis before will know, because I spoke to one of my friends who had cholestasis and poor thing, she actually had it in summer and she was sunburnt at the same time. So I can't even imagine that itch. But, um, yeah, I was up pretty late at nights and I was feeling heavy and it was just getting towards the end. So we're getting excited to meet him. We had our baby shower. That was incredible with all of our friends and family. We had a mixed baby shower. Um, No, because not many people do mixed baby showers. (laughs) I roll. Um... Yes. So then between one week, my bile acids went from 13 to 42. Yep. Um, which, and what do you think they said about that? I can't they, even remember. They said, oh, it's, it's a jump, but it's still not alarming to anything over 100. Yeah. Is where they get really worried and they'll look to induce you. Yeah. Um, and then by the time we got to the next, mm. so it was a week after, was it? Mm-hmm. So in in week 35, um, on the Thursday, you had your mm. – no, so – On the Monday? Yeah. So week 35 is the week where everything started happening. 
on the Monday, we had an ultrasound and it was the worst experience ever where the ultrasound person asked, while he's going over the face of my beautiful son, have you tested him from Down syndrome? Yeah. And we freaked out because we were like, can you see something? Is he okay? Just like stupidity. Yeah. We got really worried and we were like, is he okay? Like, and he was just kept saying he's a really small baby. And I was like, okay. Mind you, they're not meant to be telling you anything. Yeah. They're meant to take the images. The doctor writes up the report and then. So, the, yeah. yeah. He, he told us our Leon was in the fifth percentile yeah. where a week or so before that, the midwife, the, the midwives did another measurement mm. um, and said he was in the 70th percentile. <laughs> so he's supposed to be a big baby. Oh. So obviously for us, we're getting conflicting information. Yeah. But yeah, that it wasn't the most pleasantest of experiences. No, it really wasn't. And then I did a blood test on the Tuesday yeah. with my GP. But um And there was miscommunication. Yeah, bile acids wasn't included on yeah. the report. Yeah. And yeah, so I didn't know that the jump had been so dramatic. So on Thursday went into the hospital and I had normal monitoring. Um, I had an ultrasound and in that ultrasound he was perfect, perfect health. His blood flow with his umbilical cord was great. We saw that he had a full head of hair on the ultrasound, which was really cool. And I had blood tests done that day. Um, and I said to the doctor, do you want me to wait for these blood test results? And he's like, look, your monitoring is amazing. The ultrasound's really good. We'll call you if anything comes up, but I'm not worried. So they sent me home Thursday. Um, us feeling like everything was fine. And that night we actually had one of our priests come to our house to bless the house because I really wanted the house blessed before Leon was born. Um, do you want to tell this story? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so um, Father John's come to our house. He's been like... We were just chilling, having a chat, just talking, um, just pretty much just filling him in on how we're doing, what our plans are, um, yeah. And then just through chat, he was telling us about the Book of Job, um, mm. which I'm not sure not many people will be familiar with. Well, so, we weren't familiar yeah, with it. Which we didn't know about, which is essentially about um, a book in the Bible where Job was a very faithful man. Um, was tested by the devil mm-hmm. um, and had everything taken away from him um, to see if he'd lose faith. Yeah, in God. Yeah, lose his faith in God and um, deny God. Where So the devil went through essentially, and he, um, Job was a very wealthy man as well, so he had um, lots of crops and livestock and everything. So um, all his livestock was killed, all his crops died. Um, and he and had seven children. And he had seven children and his seven children were also, all of them passed away mm. and he didn't lose faith in God. Um, and essentially, moral story, like what happened was throughout all those tests and everything, God ended up um, doubling all of, all of everything that was taken away from him. So he doubled his crops, doubled his wealth, um, and gave then, him back his health. And then he gave him seven new kids, mm. which um, we learnt was for the reason they reason he didn't get obviously fourteen kids because he still had his yeah. seven original kids because they're still 
his kids in heaven. Yeah. So that's how he, yeah. So he told us that and this was all the night before. This uh, was the night before. So while he's telling us this story, Leon's kicking crazy in my stomach because mm. he was like, I had a black a, a back placenta. Mm. So I could feel every movement of Leon. Mm. Um, and yeah, and that particular night, Ange was saying God never gives someone what they can't handle in life. Mm. And we're talking about that so openly mm. with Abuna, which is another word for father. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was incredible and he left and we felt really, really good after that visit. Mm. Um, and then we went to bed and Leon's notorious times to wake me up in the night was 12 a.m., 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. Um, and I think he was getting me used to the feeding times because he would wake me up, kick me, and then I would go to the toilet, I would go back to bed, and I would just go back to sleep. Um, So the last time I felt Leon kick was at 4 a.m. on Friday, the 29th of September. Um, I went back to bed and fell asleep, and then the next morning I woke up around 8 o'clock. Stop touching the mic. Sorry. I woke up around 8 o'clock and... I said to Ange, oh, can you make – did you – wait, did I ask for pancakes before or after? Before what? Before he told us? Before I got the phone call from the hospital. Yeah. Yeah, I think you were ready, well, ready going downstairs to make me pancakes. Yeah. Then the hospital called and said, hey, we got your test results. They're really high. Yeah. So Your bile acids came back at 172. Mm. Um, we want you to come in for more monitoring today and we want to set up a plan of when we're going to induce you. And I said, okay, well, my hospital's already packed in the hospital in the car. Am I getting induced today? And they said, no, not not a, not really, but we just want to come and talk about. He's like, don't rush, come in a couple yeah. of hours. He's like, don't rush yourself. Then I had pancakes, and normally after I eat, like he would go wild, mm. especially sugar. Mm. Um, and I didn't feel him, and I was getting really worried, and we were already getting ready to go to the hospital. Yeah. So we got ready and we headed off um, and we were in the car and there was this thing that Ange would do to my stomach and Leon would kick straight away. Mm. It was like, how do, how do I explain that? Just, just move my finger. Yeah, he would just move his fingers on my tummy and he would start kicking. Mm. Um, and he did that and there was no kick. Did you get worried at that point? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... Ended up getting to the hospital, got to the emergency, told them mm. we're here, like we got called in. We're not really feeling you, a bit worried. Mm. Um, yeah, they put us in our room. Yeah. And what are the chances someone from our church? Yeah. She was our midwife. Who we had. We with. never met previously. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so she put the monitor on my stomach and Leon was – he was really good with monitors. Like as soon as it would go on, they would find his heartbeat. Like we never had an issue with that. And she put the monitor on and she kept moving it around and she couldn't feel, she couldn't get his heartbeat mm. on the monitor. And at that moment, me and Ange looked at each other. Yeah. And we knew. That's, yeah. But then she said, oh no, sometimes like babies can run away from yeah. the monitor. We're going to get an ultrasound in it's and a doctor. Yeah. It's not a definitive measure. Yeah. 
So at that point, at that moment, um, I got Ange to get my cross mm. and I was holding my cross and we were saying the Our Father. And the doctor came in and um, he put the ultrasound on me. Mm. Seconds. I feel like he it, he may have waited a, week, a minute, but. Yeah, you can see his face drop. Yeah, we knew. And he said it so quickly underneath yeah. his breath. He'd been he'd been looking after us for yeah. a month and a bit. Yeah. So well. we knew him. And he obviously knew our situation. I think he diagnosed you. He was the one that I saw on Thursday. Yeah. But that he sent diagnosed me home. you with cholestasis? Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um so his face, like he just said it really quickly underneath his breath, there's no heartbeat. Mm. And then I was in full denial. Mm. So yeah. They have to confirm it with um, a second doctor. Yeah, the senior doctor came in. Yeah, so he's called his supervisor. She's come in and mm. she's confirmed the same. Yeah. And at that moment yeah. I was howling and crying and screaming, mm-hmm. no, he's not. He's not dead. He can't be. Mm-hmm. Um, and they left the room and we had the room to ourselves for a bit. And that's... Yeah. Our life changed forever after that moment. Mm. Um, yeah, you expect to leave a hospital with a healthy baby and you don't think that that situation's ever going to happen to you. Mm. Um, like they tell you about it but you never hear about it, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And you don't. last thing you're going to do is expect it. Like no one plans for that. And like we went to birth classes. Yeah. Not once was stillborns mentioned or stillbirths. Mm. Um, And I can understand why people won't talk about it to pregnant women because it is scary and why do we need more anxiety when we're already pregnant? But at the same time... You need to know what to look out for. You really do. Mm. And also, what about the mums that go through it? Mm. Like, no one talks about it. How are we going to heal from it? Mm. So... Um, they gave us a, I, I reckon we were like having a moment for ourselves for like 10 minutes. Yeah. It was an eternity though. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. And I was actually talking to my sister, sister-in-law this morning and she reminded me of a whole chunk of that day that I completely blacked out and mm. forgot. Mm. So after that happened, the doctors came back in and pretty much said, have as much time as you need um, and we'll talk about what the next steps are. And in that time we had – you called your sister and you told her. Yep. And I called my sister and told her. Mm. And they both came to the hospital. Um, And I completely forgot they even came to the hospital. So they came into the room and the doctor was talking to us about our options And then they left us to decide. And I just remember Dr. David saying to us, because I was like, I was hysterical. I was like, just cut him out, get him out. Hmm. I can't deliver him naturally. There is no way I can go through this. Like birth is the thing that I was the most scared of being pregnant. And I think everyone that goes through it the first time, obviously it's the unknown. It's the most pain a woman will ever go through. Or a human will ever go through. Um, 
so yeah, I was like, no, nah, just C-section, that's it. And then he was explaining that um, having natural birth is the safest option for me mm-hmm. as the mum. And I just remember looking at Ange, not knowing what to do. And he just said to me, with like tears running down your eyes, you were just like, I need you to be safe. At that moment, I felt like my body, I didn't care for my body. I was like, okay, I need to be safe. Let's do it naturally then. Mm. And then I had a cervix exam um, and they saw that my cervix was long and closed. So I wasn't close to giving, like I wasn't close to labour. So then they gave me this um, tablet. Do you remember the name of it? I don't know. Started with an M, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. So it would. It's a. It's a tablet. There's. There's two tablets. First one they give you softens your cervix, mm. and then you come back once that's softened, softened your cervix, and the other tablet puts you into labour. Yeah. So they've S- gave. They've given you the first one to soften your cervix while we're. Obviously, after we've just found out. Yeah. So I took that tablet. And then they sent us home. Yeah. So they said, you need to go home and then you'll come in Sunday. So it's on Friday. This is Friday afternoon. Yeah. They said, okay, take this tablet, go home, and we'll see you Sunday at a.m. Mm-hmm. And we're like. What? Yeah. Like you're sending us home? Like. Yeah. So that was really confronting mm. to be sent home. With our baby passed away in my tummy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did. We went home. Um, and it was really hard. Proceeded to tell family. Yeah. But we couldn't tell one very important person in the family. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we went home. We ate. I don't even remember eating. Fish and chips. Fish and chips. But, like, did yeah. you even eat? Nah, me either. And it was, as a mum that is pregnant and other women will understand this, you know what position your baby's in. And I will never forget just feeling him so hard in that same position. And as as hard as it was, it was also comforting that I still got a couple more hours with him. Mm. It's so hard to, it's so weird to explain. But we went to bed that night. And my itchiness was still full on. Mm. Um, so I was still really irritated from the cholestasis. And at 4.30 a.m. Saturday, I woke up with contractions. Um, and I knew they were contractions straight away because it was like cramping, but like not my period cramps, but similar. And that's mm. what every woman says. You'll know when you're having contractions. And I didn't want to wait. I didn't want to... You know how they say, oh, wait the contractions out until it's 411? Yeah. I was like, no, I'm not waiting. So we called the hospital and we said, hey, just letting you know this is our situation. We're coming in. They're like, yep, no worries. We've got the room ready. And we drove. I reckon we got there at 5 a.m.? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We walked into the room and it was really nice. Yeah, except for that. <laughs> so they had the room really. Um, it's just really dim. Like dimmed, Really nice, yeah. peaceful, dim room. And then. They've got like a, almost like a strobe light, but it's like green stars. stars and I was like, you can keep the, the clouds because yeah. it was like clouds and, and green dots everywhere. I'm like, you can keep the clouds, but get rid of the green like dots. like lasers. Yeah. They're pissing me off. Um, so when we got in, I was three centimetres dilated. And as for pain relief, I was using the gas 
mm. all the gas is good. I was so scared about the gas. Yeah, on the Friday. <laughs> on the Friday, I had a yeah. bit of gas for my cervix exam. Mm. Um, but <laughs> the gas is good. No woman should be afraid of the gas. Um, yeah, so I had the gas until 8 a.m.-ish, mm. maybe 7.30. Yeah. Got the ball rolling on the epidural. Mind you, that was my biggest fear, getting an epidural. I wanted to go all natural, um, but... With the circumstances, I was like, this needs to be the most positive and pain-free birth that I ever have. So, yeah, um, I leant over the the bed and I held on to Ange and I had the epidural put in and honestly, very painless. Yeah, you were just praying. I was praying. I was saying the Our Father and it was so quick. The epidural was really quick. Mm. Um, it feels like... A cannula getting put in. I think my cannula hurt more because she was really yeah, rough with the cannula. Bit of, bit of odd cat, that doctor. <laughs> yeah. Like the shifters ended, she's trying to get out. Yeah. Um, and then I started getting tingling with the epidural and... You forgot about when Jane walked in. Oh, Jane. We love Jane. So as I'm getting the epidural, I look up and it was the changeover with my midwives. And this midwife walked in and she, she was older. And I saw her face and the first thing I said to her, and at this point I hadn't cried in labour yet. And I just looked at her and I said, are you a mum? I Just seeing her face yeah. made me warm. Like it, it made me feel comfortable. And then she goes, yeah. That, I, that's not how it was. Well, what did she say? Uh, you were crying. Yeah, yeah, but like what did she say when I said, are yeah, you a mum? Yeah. Yeah. And then you started crying more. Yeah. <laughs> I just felt so comfortable with her just looking at her. It was like... I don't know. I can't explain that feeling. Mm. It's like I knew she was going to take care of me. Once the epidural kicked in, um, we started talking to Jane. Mm. And she mentioned that her niece had a stillborn. Um, and she told us a story about Lucas. Yeah. Um, and she got emotional with us and it made us feel more comfortable with her because she was able to get emotional with us. Mm. She felt human. Yeah. Um, and she was really, really supportive. She kept saying, you're doing amazing. And she made the environment super, super relaxed. Yeah. Um, I had the best birthing experience as it could be. You're a natural. Thanks, babe. Um, yeah, it was really calm. And my mum and sister came in while it was probably like, what? Just before, yeah. Just before I started pushing. Yeah. So around 12-ish, they came mm. and... The way that the um, anaesthetist did my epidural was I could still feel my contractions. Like I could still feel the tenseness. But it made you pain-free. But it made me pain-free. It was actually amazing. Like I could move my feet um, and I would say, oh, contraction. And I'd look at the screen and I could see it mm. going up. So I had a really good labor. And then right before I started pushing, like I said, bye to Nadia and mum. Um, and right before it start, I started pushing, I started feeling the tingling coming back, like as in I could feel my abs and I was getting really scared. So I called the anaesthetist back in and they just gave me an extra top up. Yep. And then Jane did a check and I was fully dilated. Yeah. I was ready to go. Said you were ready to go. Um, so that was around 1 p.m. So from like 8 a.m. to 1 p.m., mm -hmm. that was the epidural time. And then I started pushing and... She, yeah, she talked you through it. She talked me through it. She had a 
warm compress compress towel, mm. and she kept it down there. Okay. And she broke my waters. Yeah, that's right. Um, and in my water, it was a lot of meconium. So what that is is um, Leon pooed in yeah, my when the baby passes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, like yeah, poos in the sack. Yeah. And then they they call it meconium when it mixes, and that can be really dangerous for babies. Yeah. So if babies swallow that, that could be a, yeah. a reason why they pass. Life threatening. Yeah. So she saw the meconium. She quickly cleaned it up. Um, I didn't see it. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. It was just like. Dark green. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I started pushing. I did one test push and she's like, okay, this is great. <laughs> she's like, keep pushing. Um, and then when they say stop, you have to stop. Mm. And it's really hard to explain because obviously if you have an epidural, you can't feel down there. You're just trying to get it out. Yeah. You've got to physically imagine you stopping your pelvic floor. And I'm really grateful. I did a lot of work on my pelvic floor um, in Pilates and pre and before. So I feel like I just imagined myself stopping my pelvic floor. Mm. And in like four big pushes and two long breaths, our baby was born. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. And as he was born, we found out that he had his umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. Yeah. So Poor Baba. Um, so that could have been another reason why. Yeah, which I don't know about you, but I... I think it was yeah, the quad. Deep down, I, like, I know that's what it was. Yeah. I don't think it was a cholestasis. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. Um, it's too healthy yeah. the day before for it to be that drastic. Yeah. Um, and even other doctors said more than likely once the cord's around the neck, it yeah. can, it'll cause distress. Hence why he probably... Yeah. Passed and then passed his macron, like passed yeah. the poo. Yeah. So, um, Ange cut the umbilical cord mm -hmm. and yeah. yeah, he was, he was born. Mm. From there, I think. The I pushed the placenta out. Yeah. That was really quick. Yeah. I kind of breathed it out. Yeah. And then Jane, um, cleaned Leon up. Yeah. Sat him down for a bit. We just took a couple of minutes to just reset and yeah. settle. Did I get stitched up before I met Leon? Yeah, way before. Okay, so right after giving birth and giving, like, passing the placenta, yeah. I think the doctor came in mm. and had a check and I had only teared yeah, you only, the smallest amount. It was a second degree tear, which is the most common. Yeah. And... They said it's just... It's yeah. two centimetres. Yeah. So not And much. internally. Um, and they were like, we're just going to put a stitch. Yeah. One stitch. Yeah. Um, and then they did that. But I was... Why was I so scared, scared of the stitch? That was like my... I mean, you can't even feel it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. So I got the stitch and then after that... Yeah. Once, yeah, once all that happened, Liam was cleaned up. We were... Cleaned just, up. Yeah. Yeah. From birth and then... Oh, we didn't even say what time he was born. No, yeah, because... He was born one eleven, yeah. a little angel. Yeah, and then the door above where yeah, you were looking. Yeah, the door above while I was pushing, it said one eleven. One dot one one. Yeah. And um, as I was pushing him out, I just thought about this monastery we went to in Egypt and I felt really at peace mm. when I was delivering him. Like... It was such an honour mm. pushing him out. Your happy place. Yeah, my happy place. Um, 
So yeah, then after a while, um, we asked the nurse if I could hold him. Yeah. So she passed him to me. We gave ourselves like at least. Probably half an hour yeah. or so. Yeah. Um, and yeah, what they don't take, like when, when you have a stillborn, mm. because obviously they've lost oxygen flow, their skin starts to be very brittle and it starts deteriorating. So he had a couple of blisters and a couple mm. of sores. He had like a little sore on his forehead. Mm. Um, but, yeah, he's the cutest boy. He looked just yeah. like his dad. And a bit of his mum. Tiny bit, but yeah. I it think he did it on purpose. He was such a cute, peaceful boy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then the nurse came, she passed him to me. and Seeing you hold him... Is probably the best feeling in the world. Mm. Like half of me and half of you. Mm. The love you feel for your partner after you see a child of both of... Mm. It's just... It's not spoken about enough. It's so beautiful. Mm. Um, yeah, Ange held him and was like showing me him. Mm. So the first time I saw him was in Ange's arms... That was really special. Oh, that's right. The first thing when he was delivered, the first thing Jane said was, wow, you've got big hands. Yeah, she did. And you've got huge hands. Mm. Um, she did say that. I do remember yeah. her saying that. He had really big hands, really big feet, just like his dad. Mm. And uh, you held him for a, a while. Yeah, held him for a while. My arm was dead. Yeah. Really feel it, but yeah, who cares? Yeah. I would do anything to get the that dead, dead arm. arm. Best dead arm I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, and then... Uh, it was grand final day. Sorry, we forgot to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> and Ange is a massive fan of AFL. Yeah, like, really. you play footy. Yeah. You love footy. Don't deny it. I love, yeah, I'm not a big fan. Like, I wouldn't say I'm a massive fan. Okay, not a big fan, but you enjoy footy. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, you play it. You yeah. should appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> we're actually crazy for this. The first, I then yeah. he passed yeah. Leon to me. No, no, after the nurse took him back because you wanted a bit of a rest still. Oh, yeah, he was okay. still resting. Yeah. Then after a little bit more. Um, yeah, actually. Yeah. You're right. Then I think, no, yeah, because before the nurse took him back, we were watching it. I was holding him. Or were you holding him when we were watching it? I was holding him when we were watching it. Oh, yeah, so it must have been... Yeah, so the game would have started. Ages ago. Yeah. I was, yeah, while I was delivering, yeah. it was on. Yeah, the game the f- was on. Because the family came. We we saw the last quarter by ourselves with him. Yeah. And I was holding him and I really don't like Collingwood. <laughs> it's a team where I just, they piss me off. And you got a soft spot for Brisbane. And I've got a soft spot for Brisbane and it was Brisbane and Collingwood and Ange grew up as a Collingwood supporter but now he just generally likes multiple teams and he doesn't really follow one team. And I said to Ange, if whoever wins, that's the team that the family goes for. And Collingwood won. So I think he just made his dad happy and let Collingwood win for that one. So we are a Collingwood family now. That's it. Um, And, yeah, we watched the grand final with um, our son in my arms. It was because that game has gone down to the wild. It's like two minutes to go. It was crazy. Yeah, you said, oh, whoever wins this game is who we go for. Yeah. 
Um, and then our family started coming and so did our priest. He came. Mm. Our priest was the first one there um, after Leon was born. And he didn't say a lot, but he provided us a lot of comfort. Mm. Um, in a weird way, yeah. Yeah, in a really weird way. And it was really nice that he came. And our family got to meet Leon, which was amazing. The mums, the grandmothers held him. Yeah. Yeah. That was really nice. It was. It was nice seeing them. Yeah. Like as hard as it was in that, obviously, it's not the circumstances you want to see that, but. Yeah. It's good to, it's Mm. a good feeling to have. Because I can't imagine people. Like, I feel like we celebrated him too. An, an extreme extent. Yeah. Like, we want everyone to know Leon's name. He's yeah. our first son. He yeah. will never be forgotten. If anyone asks us if we have children, we say, yes, we have a son mm. that's passed away. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, the that was a full-on 48 mm. hours for us. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and then, yeah, so after that, Leon, Leon was with us probably for another few hours. Yeah. They give you the option of keeping yeah. them a bit longer, but for us it was it was hard to see his body deteriorate. Yeah, we were at peace with yeah. him. Like yeah. we, we got to meet him, we got to spend our time with him. Yeah. I think... The last time you put him down, you were telling me yeah. a little bit of a blood nose. Yeah. He got a little bit of a blood nose and... Apparently that's normal because they yeah. passed away. Yeah. Um... So for us, I don't think, I th- yeah, I don't think having him for like next to us any longer for any, however many more days or whatever. It, it would have been, been harder for yeah, us. It would have made it a lot harder. I and think. everyone does it differently. Yeah, correct. It's it's each to their own. We, we were at peace with it. We made our decision. Like, we'll. Yeah. Yeah. We'll say our buys. Yeah. And the that hardest was, goodbye that you was a, yeah, it was the hardest, probably one of the hardest things for me watching him get pushed down that corridor. Yeah, I heard bottom. that you watched, you followed him out. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry you had to do that by yourself. It's okay. And then, yeah, so from there we spent two or three nights at the hospital so they can monitor you. Yeah. After you. Yep. They changed so late that night. So we said goodbye to Leon around 9.30-ish. I don't even know. (laughs) And then around 11, they came back to the – because we were still in the birthing suite at this point. Around 11, they came and they were like, oh, we're going to change your room. Mm. Um, Which was probably the best thing for us because we were in the birthing suite. So literally all we could hear were mothers giving birth and babies crying. Which in that moment is probably not ideal for us, but yeah. Mm. So it was, yeah, I think Mercy handled it really well. Yeah, we had a good experience at the Mercy and shout out to Jane. She was amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, we spent the next three. I think three nights. Yeah, it was three nights um, upstairs, you know, just a really quiet ward. It was like post-surgery ward. So there was no babies um, no babe, there was no people. Like, <laughs> there was hardly any yeah. people. It was so, like we had the whole floor to ourselves, but we had a massive room. Yeah, and they gave us a room with two beds and we just 
We just stayed there. We put them together. Yeah. And we just stayed there. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And then I think on the second last day or the last day, it would, no, second last day, they had um, the pastoral care come through. Yeah. Who is the people that give you advice and help you organise, I guess, funerals, funerals um, the birth certificate, birth, death yeah. certificate, then, leave from work, as in like Centrelink leave yeah. and what the, what you're entitled to and all of that it. type of stuff. Um, and counselling services. Yeah, and counselling services as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we had that. And honestly, we were, we were blessed with um, the funeral home that we decided oh, to call. They were so good. Except for that receptionist. Yeah, the receptionist. She was off her head. But. <laughs> she was like, we were like, oh, we need to talk to uh, the, the guy that helped yeah. us. His name was Paul. She's like, why? And we're like, oh, our son just died. Oh, okay. Well, does he know you're calling? Sorry. <laughs> What's it to you? Just put him on. <laughs> Anyways. So, yeah. So, eventually, we got back onto Paul. Shout out to Paul. He's an absolute... Gun. Um, yeah. He's a, a gun. <laughs> and then... Um, I'm sorry. No, he was amazing. So, he said to, essentially, he said to us... He's, they, didn't, you, they didn't charge us anything for... For the, the transportation. From, yeah. No, for the funeral home side of it. Yeah. So, he... Um, they, was it Tobin Brothers? No, no. No, I think it's... Was it Nelson Brothers? I don't know. See, this is what happens when yeah. you've gone through trauma. Last thing, yeah. We'd <laughs> you don't remember. Um, so they organised everything um, for us. All we had to cover was the grave. And his coffin. And his coffin. And we didn't know that they were engraving something on his coffin. Yeah. And we didn't know, like, the coffin they picked was so beautiful. Yeah, it was. It was a white coffin. And it had mm. his name engraved um, on it. Yeah. Um, and he rocked up in a Rolls Royce yeah. <laughs> to the funeral. So, yeah. So we organised that. Um, and he said, oh, we recommend you get out um, and go pick a yeah. pick a, um, a grave, which one you like. And, you know, Couldn't we imagine like, that. We're like, you know what? We get what you get given. Yeah. Like it is. Well, they it asked is. if we wanted a shared grave yeah, or a single. Sorry, correct. So with babies, they give you the option if you want a shared grave where... There are other babies born on the or same children grave. that are um, yeah that are buried there yeah and we were set like for us we I, we yeah. personally decided we wanted a single one yeah because if we ever want to visit him and stuff and yeah it's just more peaceful yeah. for us it was it was our decision yeah, right uh, everyone chooses felt, something yeah. different yeah felt like for us it was it was the right thing yeah, to do it's one thing something we can give him yeah, yeah. as his parents yeah um. So, yeah, we did that. So all we said to him was Faulkner Cemetery and single grave, yeah. essentially. He, yeah. And he said, oh, yep, there's a there's actually a child's area, mm-hmm. a kid's area. None of this we knew of. Yeah. Obviously, we had no idea. It's yeah. things you don't know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he literally organised everything. We just told him the day. Yeah. And that morning of the burial. Yep. Um, so when Leon past a lot everyone in our family everyone all of our friends they knew I was pregnant mm, we were very like, I was really open with we were, my pregnancy very we proud of it very proud of it um in and we way, announced yeah. that he passed away on social media and we kindly asked everyone to keep their condolences until um awake yeah 
And we organised that to be on the same day as the, the, burial. F- the burial. So we did the burial at the start of the day at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. And then we did the wake at 6.30 p.m. at our church. And for us, that was like we gave him a funeral and a beautiful mm. send-off. So, yeah. So for us, we don't – because he was born so pure um, without sin, he doesn't need a funeral. He doesn't need yep. to be prayed on. So he he didn't really – so we didn't give him a – typical funeral yes where we would take him to church and pray on him because he doesn't need our prayers yeah he's already with yeah. god he's yeah he's an angel he's, he's like a straight perfect. angel yeah. yeah so that's why the first thing we did was a burial yeah um, we had some priests there and that, that was beautiful they yeah. did they did pray they did some some yeah. funeral prayers but they were just really they altered ones. it for him yeah yeah it was, that was really nice it was comforting for the parents, for us and the mm. families that were there. So we did a really intimate burial. It was just our family, yep. intimate family that came. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a eulogy. Yep. So I'm very proud of my yeah, eulogy. It was very nice, what you, the words you said. And I just remember reading the eulogy and <laughs> one of my eyes was completely gone <laughs> with, with tears. And the other eye, like, it kept like, oh, I'll show you a little bit of the words and then yeah. I won't show you. Um, that was really, really hard, but I was You're just, very strong. yeah, just before saying it, mm-hmm. I, I started crying and I was like, come on, Leon, give me the strength. But I didn't realize I said it out loud yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan heard me say it. Um, and then after the burial, we went home, just us two. Mm-hmm. And did probably, we nap? Probably had a nap. Uh, See, like, I don't know. That day's. That week. That week. Yeah. It was just mush. Yeah. And then the. The prayer night or the wake that we did at the church, I started getting irritated when we just got to church. Everything was bothering me. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I just had I just buried my son. Like yeah. it was a lot. And we have this section near the altar that women can go to and kind of hide out. Mm. And at the start of the prayer night, I went to that section in the heckle, it's called, and I was looking at the altar and I was trying to like level myself and get some peace because I knew how hard seeing everyone grieved for you and yeah. for your son, it's really, really hard because it's like as an e- empath, like I was, I felt bad for them, mm. <laughs> feeling bad that for was, me. Yeah, that was one of the weirdest things as well throughout <laughs> all that. I think one of our biggest was concerns was how other people were going to feel. Yeah. We were worried about other people's grief <laughs> as well. We were scared to tell people that Leon died because we was. We knew how many people loved him yeah. without even knowing him, knowing his name yet. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I, I went in the hair call and then Ange came and got me. And when I went there, there was only like a few people in the church. Yeah. When I came out of the hair calls, I was probably there five minutes, not mm. even. Packed out. Packed. More than our wedding. Like this boy was mm. so loved. It was incredible. That wake was something that I'll hold in my heart forever. 100%. And every person that came... We can't thank you guys enough. Like the amount of love we were given and continue to get given, we have really good people in our lives. Yeah, definitely. We're very blessed with our support. So blessed. And I can't imagine people that go through this that don't have that support. And that's another reason why we want these podcasts. But that's, yeah, I think, but a lot of the time, I think because we were very vocal with it as well, Mm. people were confident to give us that support too. Yeah. So I know it can be very hard for other people, like some people, like which is everyone deals with grief in their own way. Oh, grief is just. Yeah. So <sighs> I think for us. You being, ride the waves. Yeah, being who we are, 
it's not, yeah. We and just... I had a dream the night after I had Leon mm. that I was standing in a massive conference and I was wearing a white suit and I was talking to a group of people about Leon and my story with stillborns. And I completely forgot I had this dream and I told mm. my sister about it. Knows. Oh, mm. yeah. So I was talking about Leon and stillborns in, mm-hmm. this, in this dream and I told Nadia about it mm. and then completely forgot I had the dream. And then I told Nadia that I wanted to start this podcast called Unspoken Parenthood. Mm. And she's like, oh, yeah, because of your dream. Is that where you got the idea from? I was like, I completely forgot about that dream. I just feel such a strong purpose that this has happened to us to spread awareness of Mm. all the unspoken parenthood taboo conversations and build a community where people can together be with their stories and share what's happened to everyone. Everyone has a story. Literally. You see someone on the train and you don't know what they've gone through. Mm. Like you don't know. They could have found out that something happened like Mm. really bad in their life the day before. Like we don't know what people go through. Mm. And I feel like as humans we're not as kind as we can be. This generation's just, I don't know. Yeah. Everyone's so about themselves. Yeah, I think. Or yeah, you just yeah. get do you just get consumed in your own life, maybe? Possibly. Yeah, that's probably it. Because remember, we felt like the world was just continuing. Yeah. Oh, the world—that's a thing. That's another thing. Like you know, but you don't know until it happens. Like the world doesn't stop. Yeah, it doesn't stop. Every like. It just yeah. keeps going, and you just got to. Yeah, these things happen every day, and you you're never going to hear about it. But mm. unless you're you're in it, your life, everyone's life keeps going. Yeah. Mm. I reckon that's a wrap for today. Mm-hmm. I should be talking about postpartum and what my body went through after birth, but I think mm. we've gone through a lot. Yeah. So I'm planning on doing interviews with other women that um, have gone through similar situations or maybe the perfect pregnancy and, and they're struggling with their parenthood after mm. pregnancy. It's all about, yeah, everyone's got their own unique situations. Yeah. Everyone's got their story. Yeah. And you just don't know what people go through. And if we can build a community where we talk about these taboo conversations openly, then we've just, if we help one person, mm. then that's all I can ask for. And Ange will talk to from the male's perspective, because it's not spoken about. Yeah. Yeah. So this is our podcast. Mm. We outie? Yeah. Let's go. Cool.